You're listening to the Inspired Legacy Podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode 57. Put God first. Hey guys, it's Mark, your host and founder of the Inspired Legacy. As always, this is the show that equips and inspires you to leave a godly legacy. Okay, we're going to dive right in today. First of all, if you guys find yourself coming back, repeatedly listening to the show, please take five seconds, leave an Apple podcast rating and review. It just helps more guys find this show so we can get our message out there to more men. And I want to remind you guys to sign up for the Inspired Inbox. That is my new weekly devotional. You guys can find links to both of those things to leave a review as well as sign up for the weekly devotional in today's show notes. Okay, today my guest is Larry Hagner. And I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you're into the dad podcast genre, I'm guessing. And if that's the case, you've probably heard Larry's name. You're probably familiar with his show. He is the founder of The Good Dad Project, and he's the host of the Dad Edge podcast. And it is one of the largest uh, dad podcasts out there. It's, I think it's been around for it's been around a long time, and I think it was one of the first. So Larry is a veteran in this space. Uh, I have followed him for quite a while. Again, I'm guessing that there are a few of you listening that have as well. And so I wanted to have Larry on the show today to talk about his new book. Uh, his new book is called Screen Time, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That was the intent of our conversation, and we did talk about it. But man, we once we get going, we talked about everything. And I had a really hard time titling this episode because, again, we just touched on so many different topics. And I'm just glancing at my notes here. You know, going down the list, we talked about, you know, how to be a dad during the pandemic era, you know, embracing what little time we have with our kids. Uh, he really did a good job of breaking down the Dad Edge Alliance and the Good Dad Project, kind of explaining what those two are, the differences between the two. And we touched on, you know, why larger questions like why men were put on earth and how to live with a legacy mindset. Another big question that I posed to him, you know, what he has learned from coaching so many men over the years, as well as hosting his own podcast, talking to other men, what he has learned about life through fatherhood. And again, we touched, we did finally touch on Larry's new book. It's again, it's called Screen Time The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So we broke that down. Um, we talk about parenting kids in the digital age, the psychological effects of screen time, and some exciting new courses that Larry has up uh, or coming up soon, rather, that you guys are going to want to check out. So again, this podcast, this episode, we touch on. A lot of different stuff. It's just a really good conversation between two guys, two dads, and I hope you enjoy it. Larry, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Mark. What's going on, man? Good to be here. Good to have you. Yeah, you've you've been on my radar for a while, and I'm going to guess that most guys, maybe not everybody, but most guys watching and listening have probably run across you in the past, maybe even follow you, or maybe even belong to your uh, your Dad Edge Alliance. I don't know, but it's it's good to have you on. Well, it's good to be here, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's uh, you know what I've noticed is in the in the podcasting space, the dad space, and all that. That the world is big, right? There's there's billions of fathers, millions of I don't know. There might I feel like Doctor Evil all of a sudden, million, <laughs> pavilion, babillion, right? But how, I don't know. There's a lot of fathers out there. What I've noticed is in this space, it's small. You know, people people tend to know know each other, and if they don't like 
you know, if they don't know each other, then they know people who know each other. Right, right. I found that to be true for sure. It's kind of yeah. funny though, because when I first started doing this, I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of a unique thing because I hadn't really done my research. And then the, as I dove deeper, I uncovered things, people like you and Ryan Mickler and other folks out there that have been doing it for a while. So it's like, oh, there's actually quite a few people in this space. But at the same time, like you said, it is kind of a, a small niche. So happy to be doing my part. So this is a, a show uh, for dads by dads. Why don't you give us your dad bio? My dad bio. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm the father of four boys, which uh, if you want to know what that's like, just imagine a college fraternity party where everyone's drinking and you just never leave and no one ever sleeps and they just keep partying, <laughs> like even throughout the morning, afternoon, evening, and just keeps happening. I say things out loud that I never thought I'd say to any other human being on the planet, which is please don't take your cheese and crackers in the bathroom while you're pooping. Uh, please put on some pants before you come to the dinner table. Uh, just things like that. You know, you're just like, oh my God, I can't even believe I just said that to somebody out loud. Uh, but I have a almost 15 year old, the 13 year old, the seven year old and the five year old. Yeah. And uh, been married for 17, it'll be 18 years this year. I've known my wife for 25 years. Uh, my journey as a father, it didn't start, very pretty. Uh, and that probably stemmed from a lot of like my childhood and that kind of thing. But that is my, that is my dad bio. So that's, that's my resume. Right on, man. Well, you're in the thick of it for sure. And I spectrum of age ranges there. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a 10 year old, I'm sorry, he's going to be 12, almost 12 year old, one son, two daughters, one son. I cannot imagine having three more because he is just, first of all, obviously so different than his sisters, but just constant energy. I mean, just, you got to really keep your head in the game to stay ahead of him. <laughs> it, it's kind of like having four puppies. You know, if you don't go, right. let them go outside and run around or walk them or move them, you know, they, they tend to get really antsy. That's why this weather, you know, as we're recording right now, the weather's crazy. And so my kid, a lot of my boys are just cooped up, man. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of wanted to touch on COVID uh, in our discussion here, but again, we're recording this in February of 2021. We're obviously off the heels of 2020. And that, I think, uh, that year posed a lot of challenges, one of which being the fact that you just couldn't get out and do things like normal. So how did you handle that as a dad with four boys and not really being able to go do the things that you would typically do? You know, the one thing I've noticed, one thing I've learned about just life in general, raising young men, being married, uh, building business, a business, um, you know, everything that I do, what I've noticed is the quality of my life, the quality of my business, the quality of my relationships, the quality of my marriage depends on the quality of the questions that I'm asking myself and those around me. Mm. So with that being said, I think we kind of went through our, our little mourning as far as like devastation when COVID first hit, we're like, Oh my God, like, what do we, why has this got to happen? And you know, what are we supposed to do now? And why can't things go back to normal? And like, when you're asking yourself and the people around you, those questions, some really poor answers will come back. So my wife and I went through about a month of that last year and we were like, you know what? We're really asking ourselves the wrong questions here. What if we asked a different question? And that question really showed up like this, which is how might we, I love the how might we question. And we use the how might we question a lot. How might we connect in a way as a family that we connect as a family in a way we never have being that we're in a situation we've never been. And the answers that came from that, I mean, our brains are like Google. You know, if you 
if you put in a question, Google will find you the answer, whether it's a poor question or a great question. Mm-hmm. So we asked ourselves that question and uh, some solutions came back. Uh, so board games came to life. Uh, family dinners were more often. We started doing what's called uh, interactive, psychologically safe connecting exercises together where we have like a flip chart and we write praise across the top and each member of our family has a quadrant and each person in our family has a certain colored post-it note and you write on your post-it note what you want to acknowledge and appreciate about that other person that they did something over the past week. Mm. So we would do things like that and then each person would get up and present to the entire family. The other thing we did too is... um, we decided over the summer to take 12 adventures, one a week for three months on Wednesday. So I took off work every single Wednesday in the summer. And it would, the rules were this, go to a place you've never been in or do something you've never done or both. And so my wife and I identified several things that we did and wanted to do. And we did those things as a family and all of them were quote unquote COVID safe. But it was things that my family and that we had never done. We, we did things like go on float trips, uh, stay for a weekend in a tiny house, go camping in a place we've never camped, go hiking through the mountains, uh, go see places we've never seen before, go, you know, explore caves and that kind of thing. We did all kinds of, we, we kayaked, you know, we did all kinds of amazing things and it really brought our family together. And what we're planning on doing is creating an entire wall in our, in our, in our downstairs in our basement that's saying something along the lines of COVID-19 didn't stop us or the year 2020 brought us together. It didn't tear us apart, something along those lines. And then all the memories and all the photos that we did, we even went to Disney. None of us have ever been to Disney except for my wife. And we decided, you know what? We've always wanted to go to Disney. Why not? We've never been there. We've never gone there. Let's go do it. Yeah. So we, we even did stuff like that. And it all came from the question of, not the why can't we or why can't things be the way that they are. It's It was the how might we question. And that's how we've gotten through COVID. And that's how we continue to get through it. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I love that. How might we? There's a lot of potential in that phrasing. And I think, I think if there was ever a silver, silver lining in 2020, it was the fact that we saw this awakening across the nation in terms of the importance of family and those in in your circle, right? And it's like, for us, it like really codified what was important for us. So I love the fact that you guys just got out there and got after it. It was almost like giving the COVID the middle finger, right? You know, you're not, like you said, you're not going to stop us. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I put a post on, on, our, on my Instagram here about a month ago, and it just said, thank you, COVID. And it had uh, photos from, you know, it probably had, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 photos just certain high point moments from our family that we, we just wanted to appreciate. And it was, uh, it, you know, did, was it hard? Sure. It was hard. You know, did we, did we have to think very creatively? Absolutely. But it, did it bring things, you know, to the surface that, that, that were sort of oppressed a little bit. So like, for instance, I have four boys, which means we have a very busy family. You know, we have one kid in football, the other kid who's playing an instrument, the other kid in jujitsu, you know, so it's like, boom, 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 boom. You're always taking somebody somewhere. So it was really cool to actually take a breath and breathe and, and, and just have family meals together, have family movie nights together, have family board nights together, have, have things where we would do activities like our appreciation board or something like that to where we would bring, I mean, like even last night, you know, the weather's terrible right now. So last night, you know, the kids were rambunctious. We're like, let's play the floor is lava. 
<laughs> and we actually played the game, The Floor is Lava, and we had a blast. We videoed it. You know, we videoed a lot of it. I mean, it was it was so much fun. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and those are memories that they're going to hang on to forever. I'm curious, especially with your older kids, you know, go back to some of those um, fun activities that you mentioned. Did your older kids resist any of that stuff? Because I just think about my kids, I could very easily hear them say, oh, this is boring or this is lame or cheesy, you know, kind of push back a little bit. Did they embrace it? You know, um, I'm, I'm actually knocking on wood right now as I, as I say this out loud. My wife and I were just talking about this. So my 15, my, he's, he'll be 15 at the end of March. And then my 13 year old, my, my, my 15 year old is a very humble homebody type of kid loves being at home. He'll actually, he actually even says, I love being home. I love being around you guys. Um, it blows my mind because I'm like, God bless. I, I always tell my son, I was like, dude, when I was your age, I never wanted to be home. And my 13 year old, who's kind of more like the athlete, you know, he's the football player. He's, you know, he's pretty tough, you know, like pretty cool, you know, but even he, like he had the most fun of anybody when we went to Disney and he always has, has funds, always has funds, always has fun when we do adventures. But to answer your question, no, they did not resist it whatsoever. In fact, they embraced it. Wednesdays couldn't get to our week fast enough, which, you know, sometimes I'm thinking to myself, man, or I feel like we're on borrowed time at this point with these yeah. two older kids. Like, are they even going to really want to be around us? So like, I, I embrace, man, seriously, every moment I get with them, my wife and I shake our heads because we, we hardly ever get alone time because we're like, there's always a child who wants to be alone. <laughs> like we've got an entire basement that's finished with a ping pong table and a little basketball hoop and, you know, their, their, their PlayStation down there. And they want to be last night, my 13 year old was laying in our bed, hanging out with us, watching this is us. And oh, I'm like, man. I can't believe you're up here right now. Yeah, so, but that's yeah. a blessing, man. And you know this because I can hear it in your voice, but that is a blessing. It is. It is. And a lot of, don't get me wrong. Sometimes my wife and I are like, man, I would really like to not have these children around so we can <laughs> hang out a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, we get plenty of that time. And my wife and I say all the time that, you know, eventually we are, we're never going to want to wish this time away because it's, it's going to be gone in yep. a millisecond. Exactly, man. That's hundred percent. And you are ahead of the game, just being aware of that and acknowledging it out loud. So a lot of guys, myself included, there was a season where I kind of took those years for granted and didn't really have the foresight to think, Oh, this is not going to last forever. I should really need to enjoy it and lean into it a little harder than, than I was at the time. But, um, yeah, man, that's good stuff. I want to address the sign behind you for people watching right now, the dad edge Alliance. So you are, like we mentioned, you're the founder of the Good Dad Project, host of the Dad Edge podcast. Again, for guys who maybe haven't heard about this, tell us um, what it is, how those two things are different, all that stuff. Yeah, it's so Dad Edge Alliance, that's our uh, mastermind community for fathers and husbands. And we actually have a couple of guys in there who aren't even married, no kids. We have one oh, guy wow. who's 21. His name is Jake. We call him the kid. And when he first joined, I was like, why are you, why are you here? Like this cracks me up. You, you're 21. You don't have a kid. You don't have any kids. You're not married. And he, it was one of the coolest things I've ever heard. He's like, I'm going to be married someday and I'm going to have kids someday and I have no clue how to do it. So why not surround myself with men who are learning? And I'm wow. like, 
Wow. That's awesome. Good, good for you. But I would say for the most part, most of our guys are between 28 and like 50. Um, so data Alliance is a mastermind community. We've been doing it for six years now. We have 540 members, give or take. We, those are men that do life with us literally on the daily. We have 20, we have 32 mastermind call teams that we do per week. Wow. Sunday through Friday, morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, so what men do if they're members is, you know, each one of those 30 some odd call teams are led by, uh, what we call team captains and team commanders. So two men lead each, each particular group. We cover content every single, every single day, every single week, every single month, the content changes either on a four week or an eight week basis. Uh, we teach men skills, uh, in five different areas. One is mastering your personal finances, optimizing your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, creating a legendary marriage, uh, creating an epic connection with your kids with psychological safety and memories and being a leader, being a leader within yourself, being a leader within your family and being a leader within your career and or business. That's what we teach men. You know, right now, as we talk, we're, we're covering what's called the four elements of a legendary marriage. Each, you know, each week we're teaching these guys a different element. Uh, in March and April, we're going to be going through e- e- mental and emotional resiliency. So how to basically take on the adversity and the stress of life and being able to still operate within a low stress type of mentality and emotions because a lot of times men are quietly very, very angry and overwhelmed and stressed mm-hmm. out. So how do we teach men to be better about that? That's Dad Edge Alliance. Uh, Good Dad Project and, and the Dad Edge Podcast, virtually the same thing, different name. Um, I felt years ago that the podcast really needed a new name because when I founded Good Dad Project back in 2012, I, it was me. I was the project. I was the Good Dad Project because <laughs> I was so terrible at this job. I was so terrible at this role and I struggled with it horribly. And Good Dad Project, that name was near and dear to my heart because I was like, I need to, I'm a project. I need to learn. I need to be better. I, I'm, I need to constantly sharpen and that's what I named the blog. Now, what I found was is when when the platform really, really grew and the podcast became really big, um, men, me included, didn't really resonate with Good Dad Project because it was just like, man, am I just like never finished? Am I a constant project? And mm. the answer to that question is, yeah, you, all of us are unfinished men. But do I like the name? No, it, yeah. it kind of just doesn't feel good to me. What really resonates with men is having that X factor, is having the edge, is having a, a step up, you know, to be prepared, to be vigilant, to know what's coming next and how to handle it, you know, to have that edge, to have those conversations, to create those relationships, those connections, that marriage, that intimacy, the whole nine yards. And that is what dad edge is all about. It's about learning those skills so you can have that edge in your life, so you can jo- enjoy life, so you can enjoy your marriage, you can enjoy your kids. You know, we were, the final thing I'll say about that is, man, we weren't, we were not put on this earth to survive. We, we right. were not, we weren't put here to be busy and we weren't put here to be fine and good and good and fine. Those three answers to every question that's ever asked to us, how are you? Fine. How are the kids? Good. How you been? Busy, man. I'm busy. That like, come on. Right. Yeah. We, we were not put here for that. We were put here to be like, man, I am blessed. I am productive and I, I am thriving. Is every day sunshine and rainbows? No, absolutely not. But the valleys last very, they're, they're short-lived. I know exactly how to pivot. I've got the skill sets to optimize those areas of my life. And I go about it and I do it. And at the end of our life, 
here's what I want all men to say who, who do life with us. At the end of our life, there are no regrets. I did everything that I possibly could to optimize the relationships and live a fulfilling life in line with my core values and the people around me. And I wouldn't have done it any different than how I did it. What I don't want is for men to be lying on their deathbed and meet the man that they could be could have become. Yeah. That's the last vision that they see before they die. The man that they could have become. No man wants to be there. And unfortunately, a lot of men, that's where they're headed, you know, because we don't know any different. Yeah. Right? Yeah, man. Oh, there's a lot there. First of all, uh, I know you didn't want it to sound like a sales pitch, but that was a great sales pitch. I <laughs> <laughs> no, no sales AI. I no. No, was, I actually joke about it because like the the one thing we call Dadage Alliance is, is the anti-sales uh, product. It really is yeah. because we actually, we make men apply and then we get on a discovery call with them to make sure like, Hey, is, is, is what you want, what we have. Yeah. Um, and you know, are you going to be a good fit for us and are we a good fit for you? Yeah. It's, it is not like, Oh, let's, let's get these guys in as many as we can. That's not, that's definitely not it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, that's a good approach. Um, well, everything you outlined there is just so needed. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the inspired legacy. It's just, we need more men to step up and lean into that role that they've been given by, I believe God to lead not just themselves, but their family and really thinking with a legacy mindset. And if you just go through the motions every day without a vision, without a plan, you're not, you're not achieving any of that. And so totally agree. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I sometimes feel like this, uh, the American dream, quote unquote, that we've been sold over the you know generations of buying the bigger house, the bigger, the newer car, the white picket fence, all this. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but I just feel like so many guys are trained up to chase that and to hell with everything else. I gotta, I gotta chase that paycheck so I can get the next thing. And before you know it, you're like you said, you're on your deathbed and all you really ever cared about was your pocketbook and not what truly mattered. And again, I don't want to say that those things are bad, but I think that so many guys get lost in it. Do you find that to be true with the guys that you coach? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And not again, not that you know, providing and building a business or having a career or having a title is a bad thing. No, that's not yeah, bad. Not, yeah, not at all. Uh he, here's here's the secret though, you know. There, there are three basic needs to a man to feel respected, to feel appreciated, and to feel validated. Those are the three things that we need for a woman seen, heard, and cherished or, mm -hmm. or understood, right? So for a man to be respected, to be appreciated, and to be validated, if you think about it, we get those three things in our career, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the, the measuring stick is black and white. Yep. You know, just look at anybody's annual review. Right. It, it'll be like you'll you'll get your attaboys. You yeah. know, you'll get where you met expectations or exceeded them or you need improvement. Right. Everything is very objective. Right. Mm -hmm. There's objectives. There's tactics. Right. And then there's here's your title and here's your paycheck. And now you can go out and buy whatever you want. And men take a lot of pride in being like, look what I've provided. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is why we, when we're asked how you doing, we say good, busy, good, busy, yeah. wear it like a badge of honor. Noble. Right. <laughs> And again, I think those words come from actually a very good-hearted, noble place, right? But there needs to be a balance there. Now, I will say this. You don't want to come home with a wallet full of money and a house full of strangers. That's yeah. not my quote. That's actually Aaron Walker. He is the founder of ISI, a good friend of mine. Uh, the other thing, too, is, I, man, 
one thing we've done in our mastermind, and we've been, again, we've been doing this six years, is one of the exercises we put men through is that they have to write their own eulogy. Mm-hmm. Write their own eulogy. Now, that might sound morbid, but it's incredibly, incredibly empowering because most men will go to their deathbed and will never do that ever. So they don't get that picture of like, what is, what is that going to look like? When I'm in my coffin and somebody's reading my eulogy, what are they saying about me? Mm-hmm. Did I spend all this time at work? Did I buy them a nice car? Did I? No, no, no. It is the impact that you had on your wife. It's the impact that you had on your kids. It's the life lessons that you, that you taught those kids. It's how they are now operating in their life because they saw you and some of the things that they saw you do. It's the friendships and the, the people that you led and how you led them. What I can tell you out of the hundreds of eulogies that I've heard read, and, and when men read it, I've, I've, I have yet to see a guy read it with a dry eye. There's never a talk of money. There's never a talk of titles. There's never a talk of what kind of car they drove or how big their house was, ever. It all had to do with connections, memory, uh, temperament, intimacy, passion, all these things that are so important. Now, what, what, what I th- the reason I think men get caught up in that is because it's, it's easy to measure like, hey, where am I at in relation to myself and other people around me as it pertains to my job, my career, my car, like all this stuff, right? It's a great way to measure. But when it comes to marriage, right, or communication with your wife or your patience with your kids, like that, that view is very subjective and the measurement is very subjective. It's easy to measure objectively your finances. Mm -hmm. Do you have money in your account or not? You know, your health, are you in shape or not? When it comes to your marriage, it's like, hey, how's your marriage? I I think it's pretty good. How's your communication? It's okay. Some days are okay. Some days are not. Like if you went to your annual review and you're like, yeah, it's okay. Some days are good. Some days are not so good. What can I do to improve? I don't know. You know, like it's very hard to get validation when it's subjective. Yeah. So that's why a lot of men do that. Mm, that's good. That's interesting. So let me ask you this. I, I do want to get to your books or your new book, but um, through the years that you've been doing the Dad Edge Alliance and, you know, you started as your own project, you said, through all this, what have you learned personally about fatherhood? I know that's a huge question. Uh, I, so I can boil it down into, um, I can boil it de- definitely down into a couple of statements. All these things, so connection, communication. So uh, let's just take marriage, okay? And then I'll get to fatherhood. You know, a lot of people are, uh, here are some statistics that scare the crap out of people. The divorce rate is 50%. Everybody knows that. Here's what most people don't know. The 50% that stay together, they are literally equally divided up into three camps. 33%, the couples that stay together. 33% of marriages that stay together can actually identify their relationship as working. And it's everything that they ever wanted and they probably wouldn't change much. The second camp, the next 33%, it's like, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It's kind of boring. Yeah. It's not everything I wanted, but I guess I don't want to break up. That's a lot of trouble, but it's okay. And then the third camp is they hate each other a lot of emotional resentment. They probably don't talk. They're probably not even sleeping in the same bedroom. They're just waiting for the kids to move out or the finances to be in order and they're gone. And, and the chances of them having extracurricular activities outside the marriage are very high, 
right? So really, if you think about it, only 10 to 12, maybe 15% of all people that walk down the aisle can actually identify their relationship as working. Now, why is that? The reason why that is, is and this is where I get to my point, a lot of people think that relationships are a feeling. I love her, so it has to work out. She's my soulmate, so it'll work out. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, in order to create a legendary marriage, there's self-care, there's partnership, there's friendship, and there's lovers. There's four pillars, and that's according to Lance and Brandy Salazar, who founded uh, the platform Legendary Couples. They also wrote the book Miracle Morning for Couples. Underneath those four pillars is a solid, solid, rock-solid foundation of communication. And a lot of people are like, I want more and I want better. That's how they measure communication. I want more communication. I want better communication. That's like going to your doctor and your doctor and like, hey, Mark, go get healthy. And you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Is my cholesterol high? Nope, just go get healthy. Do I have diabetes? No, nope, just go get healthy. You know, it doesn't give us any specifics, but within communication, there's tactical empathy, there's emotional validation, there's labels, there's mirrors, there's creating psychological safety, there's creating space, there's all these things that make communication work. And here's what I'll tell you about all four of those pillars and that foundation is it's a skill. If you want to optimize your marriage, if you want to create a legendary marriage, it's skills. Same thing with fatherhood, right? The same thing with fatherhood. In order to raise strong, confident young men and women, you need to, number one, create an environment of psychological safety, right? You have to know how to lead. And you have to know how to lead with inspiration. And also, yes, you have to lead with discipline as well. But all the, and you have to know how to communicate, right? You also have to understand, like, how does that kid receive love? I'm a big believer in the love languages, but your kids have them too. You know, if your kid is not really big on words of affirmation, all you do is pour words of compliments into them. They don't get that. They don't feel that. If you have a kid that feels love through physical touch and you never hug them, they don't feel loved. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They don't feel loved. So all these things are very, they, they are skills, you know, just like managing people mm -hmm. is a skill. Sales is a skill. Being an engineer is a skill. Being a doctor is a skill. Well, so is being a parent. So is being a husband. But a lot of us don't view it that way. We view it as it's a feeling and right. I'll just figure it out as I go. And that, that's where I think a lot of us get it wrong. Yeah, I totally agree. Too many people go into marriage thinking, like you said, it's a, it's a match made in heaven. And so it's going to be yep. smooth sailing, but no, yeah. like you said, nothing could be further from the truth and developing those skills takes effort and it takes time. And those are two things that a lot of people don't, they're not willing to put in the effort and the time to figure out how does my wife prefer I do X? Well, I've done X this way my whole life. I could keep doing that, be stubborn and bullheaded and keep trying to do it my own way. And we keep button head. We can keep button heads over it over the years, or I can just put my pride aside, learn how she wants it done and apply that approach across the board. But again, that takes effort. It takes the ability to uh, set your, your pride aside. I will add one thing. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but me personally, I feel that God is a big component to all of this. And I, I'm sure a lot of guys have seen the analogy that, you know, when you are individually chasing God, you meet there, you know, it's like a triangle and same with your kids. You know, if they see you chasing Jesus, they're going to, they maybe won't follow in your footsteps right away, but you're playing those seeds, right? And they're going to, that's going to come back into their life later on. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. 
cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Let's transition to your book. Books, I should say. You've written three in the past, right? I've written three, yeah. And now you've got a new one coming out. The third is not out yet, and the fourth, um, as you and I record this podcast, I'm putting ink to paper tomorrow for a contract for it. So it should be, hopefully it should be out by, you know, I I only have four months to write it. So I think it'll be out probably by October-ish. So because there will be it. editing and all that, but yeah. I have to have the first manuscript done in, in 120 days. That's awesome, man. Uh, a book is on my radar. I would love to write one, but that's not in the cards right now. So let's dive into your, your newest book. Yeah. Uh, tell us about it. Well, <laughs> this one was inspired, I think, really by COVID. Yeah. And then, of course, um, my own habits as it pertains to screens. Uh, and then seeing kids with screens and, you know, having friends and guys in our mastermind seeing, you know, their, their habits with screens and kids with screens. So I'm actually holding up a copy of the book right now. It's called screen time, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's a kid's book and it's meant for a, a father to read to their kid. And it's basically, you know, what I, what I really did was, is I I've, I've been blessed man with, with really being able to interview a lot of experts on screens, mm-hmm. aiming, uh, iPhones, you know, just work screens, computer screens, TV screens, and really what that does to the brain and how that changes the brain and what that's doing to our kids and what that's even, what that's even doing to us. And Hey, don't get me wrong. You know, screens can be a great babysitter, right? You know, put a four-year-old in front of an iPad and they're good to go for like hours, right? Same thing with a 13-year-old and Grand Theft Auto and, and, you know, all this other stuff that they play. And unfortunately, it's the same for us with these, uh, you know, pocket devices that love to buzz, you know, in our pockets and grab our attention. Um, so screens, the, the book has a, has a great balance. Um, it, it shares the, the blessings of screens, right? That we can connect to, this is our window to the world and we can connect to people and things and resources that we've never been able to in the past, right? And if we use screens in that manner, then it can be a very good thing. It can be a fruitful thing, right? I mean, even I like playing video games with with my kids too. Yeah. But there are, there are containers that we put around that. There are boundaries. There's boundaries of time, right? And there's also ways that if we spend too much time in front of screens, it rewires the brain. What happens is, is when you're consuming content through a screen, whether it's a video game or an iPad or YouTube, when you consume content, it's training the brain to be a consumer and not a producer. And basically what happens to, you know, to the brain, especially with kids is like, you know, they go to do their math homework or they go to do their art project or go to do their book talk or whatever else. And they're just looking at the screen going like, I can't think of what in the world to do or write or anything because I just can't think. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the way it shows up. And it shows up in a way like I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Or it shows up in, if they're not in front of a screen, I love the words I'm bored. Yeah. Actually, what I've learned from experts is I love hearing that word. I'm bored. I I welcome boredom. I'm like, okay, great. What are you going to do? What are you going to create? Can I go play PlayStation? No, no, we're not doing that right now. But what would you like to go do? And then you know, my 13 year old took my five year old sleigh riding yesterday. You know, because he was bored. Yeah. Go do that. Go do something active. Go create a memory. Right. Yep. Yep. So screen time: the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's meant for you as a parent to read to your kids. Here's where I'll tell you it's um, it's a little sneaky. 
right? <laughs> it's a little sneaky because as you're reading these things out loud to your kids and teaching them about, you know, the containers and the boundaries and what screens are good for and what they're not so good for, they're also teaching themselves what screens are good for and what they're not right. so good for. So it, it, it allows us to connect. The book is meant to read and connect with your kid. And at the end of the book, there's actually an entire page that you can tear out and, and put it in a frame of like, what, a, how is our family going to operate as it pertains to screens? And, you know, the last page is really, you know, no screen times during these times. And then you can fill in the blank. Our screen-free family day of the week is this. And you identify the day. Our screen limit for video games and tablets is blank per day. You fill that in. We are not on phones between the hours of blank and blank. In my house, it's from five to nine. And instead of being, this is where boredom kicks in. Instead of being on a screen, the final question is this, I can do any of these fun things below that make me happy and bring me joy. And you can write down five things. So that way, when your kid comes to you and is like, I'm bored, what'd you write in that book? What are some, what are five things you can go choose to do? It's all right there. That's great, man. I love that. Very actionable. Yeah. When I first, I first heard about your book, I saw a post on Instagram, I think it was, and just the title caught my attention and reading your description. It just, it jumped out at me as being very unique because it's like, it's one thing for us parents to like lecture our kids about screen time. And a lot of the times it's like, do as I say, not as I do kind of a deal. Right. But I think this book, it's great if, if dads or moms read this book with their kids, but it's like teaching them at their level. Yeah. And I have found personally, like when kids are approached that way, it's just, they, they receive it a lot more better or a lot more better, a lot better. <laughs> I can use words. Um, yeah. Cause you know, my, my two oldest kids are 20, almost 25 and 21. And they were of the era of like, they were the first generation to experience these and yeah. as parents, we had no idea how to handle them and there were no rules and certainly no books like, uh, yours to kind of lay out some parameters and, and talk about the, the potential downfall and the long-term effects. And we're see- definitely seeing that come to fruition now, but yeah, guys, it's just screens are, um, they're here to stay. Obviously we, oh, yeah. uh, they're just, they're so ingrained in their everyday lives. And so my son, who's like I said, almost 12, every single one of his friends has a new iPhone or or something. He doesn't have one. And that is almost a daily battle. He'll, I'll pick him up from school and literally the first words out of his mouth. When am I getting a phone? You know, can we not just have a conversation first? Like, how was your day? It's just so top of mind for them. So we cannot avoid it any longer. And it's very, like you said, it's very easy to let those devices be serve as babysitters, but I think there's a lot of danger there too. You want to hear, you want to hear a crazy story? Yeah. Uh, So you have a, my, my, my 13 year old just turned 13. So not, not far off from your 12 year old's age. Uh, And here's what I'll tell you about my almost 15 year old. He's, he can put a very tight container and boundaries around his screen time. Hey, Ethan, do you think you've used your phone too much? Yes, I have. I'm putting it down. Nice. It's that, you know, for him, it's that easy. Now I think he's more the exception, not the rule. Uh, we're, we from, uh, he never wants to be in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> that kind of thing is easy for him. Now I will say this, my 13 year old likes, likes to test his boundaries and he did have an iPhone 
Um, he, I just gave him one of my old ones. Uh, the screen is just horrendously cracked and it, it is a piece of junk, but it worked. Uh, now I will tell you, uh, three days ago was the second time I took it away from him. And I think this time it'll be indefinitely because he's just not ready for it. So, you know, the very first time he had a phone, um, and, and again, I knew better. I knew better because I've been blessed to interview experts. So I knew these things were going to happen. So as much as I tried to put tight containers and, and boundaries around his phone use, it, it got out of hand and he was watching a lot of TikTok and a lot of YouTube and he had a screen time. So his, his phone would automatically shut off after two hours of screen time, just couldn't access anything anymore. Now he would do this thing where he would ask for more screen time. And now on the weekends, we give him a little more, but on the weekends, I'd almost try to, t- I'd almost test him and be like, you know, Hey, at 2 PM, it's 1 PM at 2 PM, no more phone. And I'd go down there and I'd be like, hey, it's it's five minutes till the hour, just so you know. And then I'd go down there, I purposely wait a half hour, still on it, another hour, another hour, still on it. And so this went on and on and on to the point where he was then going from his phone to the PlayStation to go watch YouTube and all that stuff through that. And then it became like, I'm just going to go from one screen to the other. And I told him, I was like, listen, if you can't be disciplined about this, we're taking them away. And I'll never forget, I, I told him to be ready to go for something that we were leaving for. Went downstairs. This was months ago. Went downstairs. He hadn't brushed his teeth. He wasn't dressed. He wasn't, hadn't showered, nothing. And he was on his phone for hours. And I said, give me the phone. I was like, you, you know, we've, we've proven. And, you know, I knew better. I was like, but we're not, we're not ready for this yet. He's like, when, when can I have this back? I was like, you have it back on your 13th birthday. And at the time, he was about three or four months away from his 13th birthday. And he was, not happy. Yeah. I'm like, all right, man, we're just not ready for it yet. And I was fine. I, and I took it away. Here's what I'll tell you. His, for two weeks, it was tough. You saw the, all the withdrawal symptoms that you see people have on board. I don't know what to do. I'm depressed. I have anxiety, like all these things. And then it went away. And then he started working out. Mm. He started getting ready for football. He would hit the gym with me. He, he would read more books. He was happier. He was elevated. His mood was elevated. Then on his 13th birthday on January 1st of this past year, a couple month and a half ago, we gave it back to him as promised. And slowly we saw him drift back into that. And his patience was thinner. His, he was quicker to anger. He had a higher temper and you know, all these things. And it finally culminated where the other, the other night, um, I noticed that the PlayStation controller, which goes in our room at night, was downstairs. And I'm like, hey, man, like, what's going on here? Anyway, long story short, he lied. He had a, he'd been up till 4 a.m. playing PlayStation. Oh. Uh, he had his Chromebook in his bed open and on. So he fell asleep watching like YouTube or something. And I was like, I'm sorry, buddy. I was like, um, but we're, we're not doing this. I was like, so I took his Chromebook. Uh, I took away PlayStation. His phone, he will not probably get it back. Uh, you know, I, I don't know when I'll get it back to him, but it'll be probably at least a year. Yeah. And here's here's what I can tell you. That's been a few days. He was upset about it for one day, but he's back to that kid of happy again. Mm-hmm. And less stressed and less tension and le- and and sh- and not quick to anger like he was. And I was like, and there it is. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot to that. There is a ton to that. So many psychological things going on there. And I can relate to every single thing that you just described. We've gone through with our son. We, he had, we had an extra house phone that he 
was able to use and he sort of over time made it his own and we didn't push back hard enough. So it was sort of his quote unquote. Um, he got caught sending some saying some inappropriate things to some girls. He lost it right away indefinitely. But like you said, there was the, the battle back and forth for a period, but then things got, his mood improved things get now, like I said, he does ask me almost daily, like when is he going to get it back? But, um, habits, daily habits have changed. Certainly. Yeah, man, it's just so it's, it's hard to enforce those rules because like I said, his, in, in our case, his friends, every single one of his friends has one. And so it's like, I hear you saying all this and, and we're on the same page. I just don't understand why more parents don't get this and are willing to have that battle. Like you got to put up with the withdrawals for a few weeks, like you said, but it's worth it. So guys listening to this, like don't give in. You're going to, it's, it's going to be rough for a little bit, but don't give in. Yeah. You know, we, we weren't put on this earth to be our kids' friends, right? And we weren't put on this earth to necessarily make life easy for them all the time, right? We were put on this earth to love them, guide them. And it's so cool that you're, you're a spiritual person. So am I, um, you know, I believe God put us here to be guides, you know, to lead and, and, you know, not to, not to make comfort always available. Right. But you don't do that obviously in a harsh and mean way. You do that because you care about them. Right. You know, when I first took his phone and everything else away, he was, he threw a fit. He's like, oh, you know, my friend, blah, blah, blah. He gets to play PlayStation for nine hours a day and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, we, I'm not my friend's dad, man. I was like, you know, here's the thing. And, and when, when I, I looked him in the eye and I told him this, and, and I dare any one of your listeners to, to have the audacity and the courage to do this very thing. I sat him down and I said, Mason, I was like, I love you, man. There's nothing you can do about it. And in fact, I love you so much that I would rather be in your life and spend time with you and be, be sometimes very tough on you because I know it's for your good because I care about you. And I was like, can you want to know the secret? And here's, here's where I dare parents to do this. I was like, here's the secret, Mason. And you'll understand this when you're a parent, but putting you in front of a PlayStation, giving you your phone, being on your Chromebook or even on the iPad, you watching endless videos. And that's easy. You know how much stuff I can get done if you're busy on your, if, if all your brothers are busy on their screens doing their thing, do you know how much things I can get done, how productive I can be in my business or how much time I can have with mom or the things that I can do? Like maybe I could go and hang out with my friends or go and work out or whatever. But man, I'm not taking the easy way. I want to have conversations with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to throw the football with you. I want to run with you. I want to, I want to do these. I want to do life with you. I don't want you to do life with a screen and a father who is not there. Yeah. So I, I love you too much, man. And I care about you too much. And I'm not taking the easy road. Like maybe some of your friends, parents, I'm taking the hard one and let's do it together. So that's, I, I, I dare parents. I love to, that. When, when it gets tough, share with them like, hey, the flip side of this is actually easier on me, but I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. I love that, man. That's powerful. I'm going to use that if you don't mind. <laughs> Please, steal away. Steal away. <laughs> yeah. And I can, I can, uh, 
I can tie it back to, cause I always try to instill into him that almost always the right thing to do is the hard thing to do. Yeah. And I, I throw that in his face once in a while too, when it comes to screen time, it's like, look, dude, I know it would be a lot more enjoyable, a lot more fun for you to sit here and continue to, to watch this video or play this game. But, uh, the right thing to do is to shut it down now. Cause it's time for dinner. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's, that's really good. I love that angle. Well, man, what else are you, uh, other than a couple new books, what else do you have coming up that guys might be interested in? Yeah. So I, a couple things I have. So I, I've got a course, um, it's called creating more patience, you know, stood toe to toe, nose to nose with a lot of men, uh, over the years. And one thing I can tell you is one thing that we struggle with most is patience. Uh, so I created an online course for that. Uh, patience is a skill. It's not a feeling and it's not a measure of how good or bad of a human being you are. It's a skill, you know, to be able to remain calm in the, in the heat of chaos in order to be the lighthouse in the hurricane. Uh, that's a skill, you know, um, Bruce Lee had a quote and I'm going to butcher it, but Bruce Lee had a quote that, 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 that being calm in the face of a storm is a, is a skill set like no other. Right. And, and so learning that pay that, that, you know, Patience, your level of patience literally starts when your feet hit the ground in the morning. You know, if you have, if, if you're checking your device, like most people do, uh, what, what a lot of people don't know is you're putting your brain into fight or flight immediately. You know, you're going to open up an email from your boss. You're going to see something on social media that's going to trip a, it's going to flip a switch for you. It's going to unravel your patience. So I've got a course on that. Uh, I'm also designing a course right now. It should probably be ready in about 60 days uh, called uh, the art of communication, intimacy, and marriage. Mm. So it's it's a way uh, to connect with your wife. It's a way to communicate, create more intimacy, more psychological safety, better connection, deeper conversations, the whole nine yards. And again, you know, these things are skills, and we're we're not taught this stuff growing up. In fact, most of us have learned the complete seen the complete opposite growing up. Mm-hmm. So this is really to help. You know, the goal is with with a course like that. And what we're doing is, I don't, no, I don't think anybody wants. 10 to 12% of marriages to be happy. You know, let, let's get that number to 25%, 30%, 50%, right? I mean, that's, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah. Amen, man. Amen. Well, Larry, my last question for you, I didn't prep you for this. I probably should have, but it's, I feel like you've kind of answered it throughout the course of this discussion, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You know, we, this, my show is all about legacy, legacy mindset. Um, you, you approach, uh, what you do through that lens as well. A lot of things come to mind when we hear the word legacy, but when you hear the word an inspired legacy, and if if um, Larry Hagner wants to leave an inspired legacy, what does that mean to you? Ooh, that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> uh, you know, I I would say um, for my kids, right. <clears throat> Um, my kids, you know, I, I grew up, I, I'm not sure what your childhood was like, but, um, my childhood was chaotic and, um, but I, I, I didn't have a permanent father figure around. In fact, I had several toxic ones that were in and out, uh, but I had one strong, stoic, incredible example of a man who left a legacy in my heart, my soul, and in my faith. And that was my grandfather. And the one thing I can say about my grandfather is that his legacy, the way he loves his wife 
and how affectionate he was with her and how he loved his kids and and me as his grandson and he was affectionate and he poured words of affirmation into people and he was also he he was also tough he he was no softy but he i got to see a blue collar stoic strong man with a heart of absolute gold and a soft side for his wife and his family and that's the legacy. So like when I think of legacy, I think of my grandchildren and I think of my boys uh, not necessarily reflecting upon like, oh, my dad was awesome, like, right? But like what kind of environment did my dad and I have together when mm-hmm. we were together? What kind of environment was it like in my house? How did my dad speak to me? What words did he use? What was our conversations like? You know, was he genuinely curious about me and my life? And did he take time for that? That to me is a legacy. I, I I want my kids to think back and and remember conversations and moments and connection, right? Um, and the other thing too, and as far as men and the podcast and that kind of thing, you know, I almost feel weird saying like, what does Larry Hagner want to leave as a legacy? Because I've learned a thing or two, but I am the most imperfect, idiotic moron from time to time, daily, most of the time. And there isn't a day goes by that I don't make some horrible mistake and I'm an idiot. And I guess the legacy is this. That guy hosted a podcast on a platform and he was openly honest about what an idiot and a moron he was and imperfection. But I got to learn a few things by listening to his show from his guests that were way smarter than him. And I got to implement those in my own life. So maybe that's it. There you go. That counts. That works. I love it, man. Larry, this is really good. I could probably keep talking to you for another couple hours, but um, guys listening and watching, check out the Dad Edge Alliance. Check out your podcast. Uh, you mentioned uh, some courses. Where can guys go to to dig in a little deeper? Yeah, for right now, we're, we're going to be changing it soon, but everything will be redirected anyway. So you can always go to gooddadproject.com. We'll have everything in there. Um, actually, I have a free resource for men uh, on that homepage. It's totally free. It's an email series called 21 Days to an Extraordinary Marriage, uh, where I teach you three skills and you have three three challenges in there. Podcast is there. Anywhere you can download podcasts, it's there. Uh, we just got accepted onto Pandora Radio. Um, but yeah, if you, you know, Good Dad Project is where you'll find everything. You'll find the Alliance, you'll find our courses, you'll find everything there. Awesome, man. We'll link over to all that stuff. Larry, really, really appreciate your time today. Back at you. Thank you. Guys, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, share it with a friend and subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes like the one you heard today. And be sure to check today's show notes for all the ways you can stay plugged into the Inspired Legacy, including my free download called Nine Ways to Be a Better Dad. You can sign up for my free weekly devotional called Inspired Inbox. And you can join the private Facebook group, a community of other like-minded men looking to become the best husbands and fathers they can be. So get plugged in. Like, subscribe, leave a review, and help more guys find the show because we need more men battling together for the sake of the next generation. Until next time, live inspired.